from Buffalo, New York. WBFO and National Public Radio present Downtown Jazz. That's Helen Humes, and I'm John Hunt, your host for the Downtown Jazz Series. On this program, we'll hear evidence of the comeback of Helen Humes, who attained national fame nearly 40 years ago when she replaced Billie Holiday as vocalist with the Count Basie Band. The blues flavor of her jazz vocals fitted well with the Basie Band in 1938 and led to a four-year association, which is going to be revived when Helen Humes and the Count rejoined forces in the recording studio, which is expected to take place soon. Helen was born 64 years ago in Louisville, Kentucky, where her first band experience came early at the Booker T. Washington Community Center. Her schoolmates in that first band included Jonah Jones on trumpet and on trombone Dickie Wells, who also made his name with the Count Basie Band. The public became less interested in her music during the 1960s, as was the case with many jazz greats. But thanks mainly to the revivalist nature of Benny Josephson's cookery in New York, Helen Humes has enjoyed a comeback. And as we found in the downtown room here in Buffalo, her buoyant, vivacious art is thriving. And now let's go to the stage.
Your kind and generous applause, please, ladies and gentlemen, for that lovely lady, Miss Helen Hume. faces and I'm just hoping that during our little bit up here we'll be able to do one or two of your favorite numbers and keep you smiling right now we're going to sing
ladies and gentlemen, we would like to do something just a little more quiet for you. You must remember this. A kiss is still a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things in life as time goes by. Alan, it's, a, it's a really a pleasure to have you here tonight. Well, it's really a pleasure being here because, uh, you know, I kind of think of Buffalo as where I started out. That's true. <laughs> we, we, we talked about this before and that uh, you had been uh, 
doing lots of other things, but maybe for the benefit of the people who haven't heard it before, you could tell how Buffalo figures into your own history. Oh, well, it goes back uh, a year or two ago. <laughs> but uh, in uh, 1934, I came up here on a vacation. A lot of the uh, friends, a lot of friends of mine were here from Louisville, that's our home. And uh, so I came up here during the uh, the summer season, you know, to see them. And so while I was here, well, they uh, took me out one night and they took me to this club called the Spiderweb. And, uh, oh, it was a lovely club. And uh, Al Sears' band was playing. And so when we got there, well, one of them went over and said, I don't know, went over talking to somebody. And then they came back and said, come on, Helen, we want you to get up and sing. I said, you know, I ain't going to sing up here. And they said, yeah, come on. And then the man called on me. So I got up and sang. And the man gave me a job. I think his name was Mr. Fox. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back a few years in working with uh, a lot of the live entertainment in Buffalo here. Yeah. That that uh, whole scene of you coming out of the Louisville area, there were so many good people that came from that area, and um, you got a very early start in music. Well, yes, uh -huh, I did. I, uh, well, I don't know. I've been singing all my life, seems like. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, there was uh, a great guitarist, uh, Luke Stewart. He used to be here, and I came up to visit him and his wife. Margaret, and uh, then there was uh, uh, Jonah Jones and was here, and his brother, um, oh, I can't think of his name, I'll think of it after a while, but then uh, Dickie Wells, and oh, there was just so many of them. You know, that's funny you should mention Dickie Wells, because I, didn't he go to your high school? He was with you in the high school? Yes, yeah, Dickie and Jonah. And we were all in high school together, and another fellow named Bill Beeson, he was a hell of a drummer. And, uh, well, it was just a, a nice holiday, and I came up and I got started singing in a club, and it was just fun. How, how for you as a, as, a, as a young woman coming up in jazz, when there were mostly men dominating the jazz business. How did you feel about that? Uh, did they make you feel welcome? Did they make you feel at home in, in, in your surroundings? Oh, yes, they did, and they encouraged me, you know, to come on, Humes, and sing. And I said, you know, and I was al always nervous. When I get out there, I'm just as nervous as I can be. And then, you know, and they all seem like they're behind me, so then I just go ahead. You'd never know from the way you sing and the way you can project an idea, not only just the song, but just the idea and the, and the emotions behind the song. You'd never know you ever had a nervous minute in your life. And it seems like you were born to be on the stage. Uh, how, did you, how did it come to that point? Well, I don't know because I remember when I was about three or four, my, I went up, my mother took me up to her home and they were having a, uh, something there and... Uh, so one of the ladies, they were having it there at the church, 
And so uh, one of the ladies asked Mama if I could sing on that concert, you know. And I never will forget, I sang that song about uh, when you're a long, long way from home. And everybody just had a fit over that. And I, well, then I just kept on singing. And then um, I, I lived next door to the church in Louisville. And I used to sing in the little Sunday school choir and the little courses, you know. And then I started playing piano. And then I just, uh, I used to play for the church. And then I'd play for myself. And, you know, I'd be sitting there playing and singing. And people would be standing out front, you know. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's just a, well, I, I guess I'm just happy singing. That's all I know. One of the things which many people know about your career, which was, was I think a, a major, uh, a major breakthrough for you, was was when you worked with the Basie Band, uh, and having that experience of being with a master musician like Count Basie. I mean, I had the privilege of meeting him a while back, and he's just a beautiful man. That must have been for you a, a big step, and, and I just like some of your reactions to when you got involved with the Basie Band. Oh well, that was a big step. And as you say, Basie is really a beautiful man. Um, I was working at a club in Cincinnati when I first met Basie. And, um, well, I had just come off. They were, had been working there that night, and when they finished, well, they came down to the club where I was working. I was working down at the hotel club there. And uh, so when I finished singing, well, he came over to me. He says, oh, I certainly would like to get you to sing with my band. I said, uh, and who is your band? I didn't know him then. And so he says, oh, I'm sorry. I'm Count Basie. I said, well, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> and um, he says, but um, Billy Holiday has just uh, left the band and uh, we're looking for a replacement, and I would, I would love to have you. And I said, well, what do you pay? He says, well, I pay $35 a week. I said, $35 a week? Oh, well, I make that here, singing with Al's, and I don't have to travel, so I, 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 I won't go. So... After a while, well, then Al decided that he wanted to uh, travel with his band, and he wanted me to go with him. So that's how. Uh huh. So that's when I we ended up in New York, and uh, you know they had a an amateur contest there. At the, yes. And so I was about to come on, hell on it, go on and get on that contest. So I went on and got on the contest, and I came in second. And they had some girl that won. She sang exactly like Emma, note for note, turn for turn. She was just a carbon copy of Ella. But then when they took her, you know, got away from that, and, and the band tried her out, well, she couldn't sing nothing because she didn't have no Ella records, you know, and 
and she couldn't read music or anything. So then, uh, well, I didn't know all this was going on. So they were having a, a big affair at the Renaissance Ballroom, and uh, Vernon Andrade had the band up there, and Al was playing with him. So he asked Al if he could contact me and have me come up and sing that night. So Al did, and I went on. And uh, while I was singing, you know, the people seemed to enjoy it so much. Well, John Hammond was in the audience, and that's when he heard me, and he had me... Uh-huh. But he had me make a... I, I made a recording session with Harry James first, and then after that, well, I got with the Basie Band. July 11th, 1938. Perfect. <laughs> Two, three years ago. That's great. That's beautiful. <laughs> we should let you go because I know everybody's anxious to have you start. So thank you again, Helen, for letting me talk to you. Oh, well, the pleasure was mine. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> We're at the cookery with Barney Josephson at the corner of uh, 8th and University Place. That's right, isn't it? 8th and University? Sure. I, I was trying to get your attention to go <laughs> Uh, I was gonna uh, ask you about the uh, about that booking policy, though. You know, keeping people on the scene for such a long time—it doesn't seem to have hurt your business. In fact, I I kept reading accounts of lines out the door when Helen Humes was here, and the same thing for Alberta Hunter. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, people presenting talent make a great error in their bookings. First, you engage someone; they come in for a week. Two weeks. Now, what can happen? You cannot ride with an artist without publicity. People have to know who was there and what and so forth. Now, for a man like Whitney Balliot on The New Yorker, very important jazz critic, one of the, one of the top men in the country, so I'm very ma a man that's listened to, that people pay attention to. Now, for Whitney Balliot or any magazine reviewer, they go to bed with their copy two weeks in advance. So if someone comes in with an artist two weeks for, for as much as two weeks, Mr. Ballier says, I can't review this person because my, magazine, my editor says, I don't want to, to write somebody up that is the thing that isn't there anymore, the man who, who isn't there. It has to be live news. Which, which might account for why you got that big column in the right. New Yorker when, when other people are just getting one right. So when they know that you have something coming, so Whitney will come and do a big piece. So for example, when I brought uh, Helen Humes in, Helen Humes got a profile that ran over pages and pages. Alberta Hunter's got a profile running uh, uh, over nine pages. Um, he did a profile on me when I started with music eight and a half years ago. I, then I thought of Helen Humes who had originally started as Basie's first vocalist, and after she left Basie, came to me in Cafe Society, through, again through uh, the urging of John Hammond. Was that 47, 1947, is that when, the, when the, her first appearance at the Cafe Society? No, no, yeah, no, uh, no, Alberta, uh, rather, um, um, Helen, no, Helen was in about 44, 45, and, uh, so I, I knew she was a Louisville gal, and I called Louisville operator one day. I said, do you have a Helen Humes there? And they, two minutes later, I'm talking to Helen Humes. 
And here's Helen working in a musician's plant in, in Louisville, where she was born. Incidentally, Helen Humes, I don't know how her father ever accomplished this, but he died a year after Alberta, uh, Helen came here, and uh, he was 94 then, and he was the first black lawyer in Louisville. That was something, wasn't it, for a black man? He must have been a lawyer away, you know, for many years. But anyway, Helen was working in a munitions plant in Louisville, packing gunpowder, eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, standing on wet concrete floors because, you know, you create static and you might cause an explosion. So they keep dampening the concrete all the time. And she was doing this when I called her and I got her at home and I said, you're going to be singing again. You're coming up here. I gave her a date. I said, I don't want to hear any nonsense. Come. And so she came. And that was Helen Humes. This is Francis Brandt from the University of Buffalo Department of Media Studies. Thank you for listening to Jazz Revisited, a legacy of jazz in Buffalo, sponsored by the John H. Hunt Community Music Fund. I don't blame them, goodness knows. You're my honeysuckle rose. And when you're passing by, flowers droop inside. Yes, I know the reason why. You're much sweeter, goodness knows. You're my honeysuckle rose. Now don't buy sugar, cause you just have to touch my cup. You're my sugar, and it's so sweet when you stir it up. When I'm taking drips to your tasted lips, honey drips, drips. Your confection, goodness knows, you're my honeysuckle rose.